The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very uh, good Tuesday morning to you. Welcome to the program. This is Squawk Box and these are the headlines. The offshore yuan touching an all-time low after the U.S. labels China a currency manipulator. Meanwhile, Beijing sets its midpoint fix at a stronger-than-expected level. U.S. futures recover ground after China's central bank eases some concerns, but Wall Street logging its worst day of 2019, with the Dow plunging more than 750 points. Anxiety improves as gold comes off a six-year high and the dollar strengthens against the yen. The Nikkei claws back some steep losses, but Asian equities remain firmly in the red as China confirms it's suspending purchases of U.S. agricultural products. So, very good morning this uh, Tuesday to you. Uh, We've got a story to tell you, and it's a story of markets that are not looking pretty this hour. So, let's dive straight in. We are actually in day four, really, of this worldwide sell-off. Markets in China suffering yet another bout of heavy losses, while Japan's Nikkei pulls back from session lows. It comes, of course, as the U.S. Treasury Department formally designated China a currency manipulator for the first time in more than a decade this after the Chinese authorities allowed the yuan to weaken beyond the psychologically important seven per dollar level on Monday. Now, the state-run newspaper, the People's Daily, is accusing the U.S. of, quote, deliberately destroying international order. Now, this morning, China set its yuan midpoint at stronger than seven per dollar, which was firmer than expected. However, the offshore yuan still hit an all-time low before news of a bond sale led to its recovery. Meanwhile, China has confirmed it is suspending purchases of U.S. agricultural products in response to President Trump's new tariffs. A spokesperson for the Chinese Ministry of Commerce called the levies, quote, a serious violation of the meeting between the heads of state of China and the United States. Um, We should catch you up here on the current market action. We've pretty much given you a picture now of the background to why these markets are weaker. So let's just run you through current trading and let's dive into the state of the Asian equity markets here. And as you can see, whilst we are down 193 points on the Nikkei 225, I think it has been a little worse in the session. The Hong Kong market is off nearly three quarters of 1%. We know that Hong Kong has its own unique issues as well as being affected by this spat between China and the United States. But of course, the real pain here is focused on what's going on in the key Chinese exchanges. This is uh, Shenzhen, of course, and Shanghai, where we've got markets off between 
two and a half to 3% at this hour. So where is that money finding a home? Let's walk you through some of the safe havens. And of course, our old friend Gold has been a beneficiary. Right now, we're just seeing gold flatlining a little, perhaps the market just having a pause and thinking about whether we will see gold push higher from this level. We're already um, at 14,000, sorry, $1,462, as you can see on a troy ounce. In terms of elsewhere, the dollar getting a bid, the dollar getting some uh, safe haven bid here against the Japanese yen and a little, little firmer against the Swiss franc. And all of this continues to push yields lower. And You'd expect that reaction, in essence, because markets are increasingly now asking themselves, is there a way out of this doom loop of ever further sanctions uh, through tariffs from the United States and retaliation from China in terms of allowing the currency to weaken here. And if no one is prepared to blink at this point, this just looks like a car that is being driven off the edge of a cliff in terms of the uh, state of the global economy, which is why you would expect to see yields continue to fall as investors try and find somewhere to park money where at least they'll hope they'll get their money returned. At this point, people, I think, uh, Juliana, are beginning to think, you know what, let's just not worry about the return on. It's the return of the cash that we care about. So the U.S. futures, let's pop up a board and just show you what the early indication is in terms of the, the, the U.S. futures outlook. And even as we had that dramatic fall in points terms yesterday in the United States, the implied open for us in the U.S. is that we will get some weakness. But let's uh, wait and watch. We've still got a little bit of time to pass before we get to that start of the U.S. trading session. Of course, there is always uh, um, a market out there to buy on these declines But will people be bold enough to step in at this point, given that we, as I say, have no clarity that either side is willing to back down at this stage from what appears to be, at this point, a doom loop of retaliation? Well, we'll discuss that uh, throughout the show, of course, with our various guests. But first, let's just take a look at the moves we saw yesterday in the U.S. session. As Jeff just pointed out there, U.S. futures point to further losses today. This follows the biggest single-day drop of the year for U.S. stocks. We saw all three major indices here see suffer losses, uh, the biggest losses that we've seen in 2019. The losses were driven by the tech sector. So you can see here beside me, NASDAQ Composite was down uh, nearly 3.5% yesterday. So under performing the broader U.S. market. Within that, Apple saw the steepest losses uh, of the day. Of course, tech caught up in this latest round of tariffs to the to a, a wider extent than it has been in the past. And here's a picture of those tech movers. Uh, as I pointed out, Apple down more than 5%. So one of the strongest movers of the day. Facebook also suffering quite extensively as, uh, as, lo- as well as the rest of the tech space. Let's take a look at some of the global bellwethers for trade and see how those reacted yesterday. More steep losses there as well. Deer down nearly 5%, Boeing down 2.5%, and FedEx down nearly 4%. So overall, a very risk-off tone hitting U.S. markets yesterday. And just to remind you that the uh, comments from the U.S. Treasury Department around 
labeling China a currency manipulator, that came after market. So it's, it's interesting to see the U.S. futures indicating further losses uh, because that news came after markets closed. Now, you, we saw the U.S. Treasury yield curve plunge yesterday, as Jeff pointed out earlier, the 10-year uh, the, the currently around the 105 mark when it comes to the price level. But the whole curve shifting lower yesterday, we see, we're seeing yields offered at the lowest level that we've seen since Q4 2016 in most cases. Now let's shift on and take a look at Chinese markets, which have borne the brunt of the sell-off in the Asian session. The Shanghai Composite and the Shenzhen off between uh, 2.4 and 3% in the overnight session. So the Chinese markets continue to suffer uh, despite the yuan fixing at a slightly stronger level than the market had been expected. Uh, wouldn't it be great if we could say, oh, you know what? This one looks like January 2018, or this one looks like the final quarter of 2018, or this one looks like 2015 when we had concerns concerns before about currency devaluation in terms of China. But the problem is it's not that easy this time round. I think we've got a confluence of factors here, not least the row between the president and the Fed. And of course, the retaliation that's taking place here and mixing in that currency movement. And it doesn't look like much else that we've seen recently here. So very difficult to give the kind of advice that would suggest people start thinking about stepping in and picking up bargains. In fact, if anything, this feels more like a situation where it's very hard to find value and one, opportunity. One key difference, I think, between the current sell-off and what we saw in Q4 of last year is that we have the Fed cutting rates, and that was really the main driver of the sell-off we saw last year was this continued hawkish stance from the Fed. So the fact that they have stepped in, they've already cut rates by 25 basis points, are they going to cushion the blow further if we see a further escalation in U.S.-China tensions? The PBOC governor, of course, Yigang, saying there is no attempt here to devalue the currency, but narrative elsewhere coming out of China suggests that the currency is weakening as a response to the action the United States is taking. So which is it? Let's catch up with Eunice, who joins us out of Beijing with the latest coming from the central government. Eunice, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Um, as you said, I think there's a little, been a lot of chatter today that the um, currency is reflecting what's happening in the Chinese economy. And since the Chinese economy is slowing down, the markets are looking weaker, that um, this is just a, a market-oriented move. Now, in terms of um, what we're seeing uh, this morning for the currency itself, it looks as though Beijing is trying to dial back some of the temperature, um, bring some of that temperature down. The midpoint was set at a, a slightly a stronger um, midpoint or, or area where the um, traders can buy and sell the currency. Uh, but at the same time, it still was the weakest that we've seen in 11 years. And in fact, the um, renminbi looks as though it's generally in line with what the central bank has been saying, which has been that it pl promised to keep the currency stable. Uh, the central bank also had quoted its governor last night as saying that policymakers were committed to maintaining an exchange rate at a reasonable and balanced level and also pledged not to use the currency as a tool to deal with trade disputes. Uh, China doesn't appear as though it wants to look to the outside world as though it is a bad actor, which is probably why it came out um, late last night um, to, to try to clarify its position because it doesn't want to be blamed for a currency war. The U.S., though, um, likely thinks that uh, it's doing just that. In fact, the U.S. Treasury Department overnight had designated China a currency manipulator. This is for the first time since the 1990s. The Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin 
um, is going to now engage in conversations with the International Monetary Fund as part of the process to, quote, eliminate the unfair competitive advantage of China. Uh, But the move is being seen as generally arbitrary as well as symbolic. And a lot of that is because any of the the punishment that could result um, from being labeled a currency manipulator is seen as um, less damaging than what the Trump administration has already put in place. Now, separately, China has said that companies here have suspended buying U.S. agricultural products, though it denied yesterday that it ordered state firms to halt those purchases. Uh, But what was really interesting is that even though the move escalates the tensions between the U.S. and China, the Global Times, which is a Communist Party paper, uh, appear to want to clarify that the word suspend means that there is a room, there's room for the two sides to reach a solution. So a little bit of an olive branch, but that could also be because China does want to, like I said, present itself as the grown-up in the room as opposed to uh, the U.S. And the People's Daily, which is a very authoritative um, state paper, also uh, pointed its finger at the United States once again, saying that the U.S. is destroying international order. Guys? Eunice, uh, thank you very much for bringing us the latest uh, from Beijing. Now, uh, let's bring in Jeremy Stretch, head of G10 FX strategy, CIBC Capital Markets. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. So let's just uh, let's just pick up there on the on the movement we've seen in the yuan. Uh, the U.S. Treasury Department has now uh, officially labeled China a currency manipulator. Are we now in the midst of a genuine currency war? Well, of course, the, the pressure is being ratcheted up. So Mr. Trump has now been able to fulfill another of his campaign promises to label uh, China as a currency manipulator. He was making some, uh, some tweets, as one would have expe- expected yesterday, talking about an almost historic level of seven. Well, it's not quite that historic, although if you only, get, only have 10 years of history, I suppose it is. Um, but in a sense, we are seeing this pressure, pressure being ratcheted up. I think it was fascinating that obviously we saw the market react to the Fed last week. And then immediately after that, the Fed, oh, sorry, the, the president decided to ratchet up the pressure after the Fed. And I think that just underlines the difficulties that market participants are facing here. It's monetary policy versus politicians. And the politicians are really un, in the auspices of the White House and Mr. Trump, really putting pressure on the market and the policymakers. Now, in terms of the timing, I think that's a really interesting point about President Trump's move relative to the Fed. Now, if I look at the timing of the PBOC's move uh, in relation to the tariffs, is this definitely a a form of retaliation from the Chinese uh, toward President Trump and his decision on tariffs? Well, if you think about if you think in normal currency market terms, then invariably, if you're seeing one economy which is under a a sort of deceleration theme uh, and you are seeing potential tariffs being levied against that economy, then you would notionally expect that particular currency to weaken. So in a sense, we're not seeing anything particularly unusual in that particular context. But of course, because the whole process is being so politicized, that's really amplifying the issue. Uh, And I think that's the real the real paradox that uh, markets are dealing with here. Uh, let's bring in Michael Yoshikami as well. He's founder and CEO of Destination Wealth Management. Uh, very good morning to you, Michael. Let's just ask you this question. How enduring and deep do you think this sell-off is likely to be? Uh, I think it's going to be significant. It would not surprise me if we continued on uh, a downward path over the course of the next few days. I just think the sentiment is way too negative right now. Uh, so what do you do with uh, any positions that you're currently holding, uh, do you seek out defensives in equities or take the money somewhere else? 
Well, I, I think if you if you own equities, you better make sure of the valuations that you own. And if, in fact, you've got equities that you feel comfortable owning, I don't think this is time to panic. What I would do if I was an investor, though, is I would have a list of names uh, that are attractive, a list of names that if it gets to certain prices, you jump on those names, because I think you're going to get an opportunity in the next few days. That's certainly what we're taking a look at. And in terms of the um, the Fed position on this, obviously the action that the president has taken has very much put the focus back on whether the Federal Reserve will respond before that September meeting. What's the likelihood of that, do you think, given how Jay Powell seems willing to run against the uh, the president at this point? Well, I, I think um, a couple things. First of all, obviously, there was a tweet today suggesting the Federal Reserve needs to take action. Um, you also had three more, three formal Federal Reserve chairs actually calling for complete independence of the Federal Reserve, as it has been. Um, I'm of the belief that if this trade war continues to accelerate, as it seems to be, um, I think they're going to cut another quarter, quarter point. I don't think it's going to be in response to what's happening in the administration. It's going to be in response to the killing of business sentiment that you're seeing right now uh, in terms of multinational corporations uh, because of this global trade war. Michael, we were just discussing early on, earlier in the show the difference in the similarity between this sell-off and what we saw in Q4 of last year. And given the fact that we have the Fed, they've already cut rates, and as you just said there, you think they're going to continue cutting. Doesn't that provide a cushion that wasn't there in Q4 of last year that should give investors comfort that uh, there is going to be a, a, near, a near-term floor to equities? Well, there probably is somewhat of a Powell put, but remember when the markets went down last quarter or the previous, excuse me, the fourth quarter of last year, it was all based on interest rate speculation that rates were going to go up. Um, So basically there was a traumatic incident that caused the market to go down. We now have another traumatic incident right now that's causing the market to go down. And it's not like the Federal Reserve has a 10-year treasury at 5% where they can cut. We still have the 10-year treasury are trading at a pretty low point right now. I think it closed at like 1.7 or something like that today. So I, I think that you've got a limited amount of space the Fed can operate under, particularly given that the United States economy, if we don't have these trade issues, is actually doing okay. So there's only so much they can cut without igniting fears that they're being too aggressive in easing policy. Now, we've seen a real exodus from the equity market over the last few days, and it feels as though a lot of that money has gone into fixed income uh, as we've seen the yield curve drop uh, across the board and also a huge amount sitting in cash. So if we do see the risk environment improve slightly, what kind of upside are we looking at? You know, it's interesting. I think that there is a huge bounce possibility in this kind of market. Um, uh, you know, earlier on CNBC US, they were talking about we were one tweet away from a huge market rally. Um, I, I don't know about that, but I will say this. I think there's still cash on the sidelines. There is new cash on the sidelines that if this turns, if there's some sort of at least superficial effort made by China and the United States, I think you could have a significant bounce back. I would actually bring you back to what happened during Brexit. Remember when the Brexit vote happened, the markets in the United States went down something like 10% in the five or six day period and went up 10% over a two or three week period. So I think that certainly has the potential. That's why investors, in my view, need to be ready when there's market weakness.
That's an interesting comparison you make to post-Brexit. Well, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Michael Yoshikami, founder and CEO of Destination Wealth Management. Well, Jeremy Stretch is still with us, head of G10 FX Strategy, CIBC Capital Markets, and uh, we look forward to chatting to you more uh, shortly. Meanwhile, let's take a look at what's on the calendar today when it comes to economic data. It's a heavy day for German data. Industrial orders are forecast to have rebounded in June after contracts for goods made in Germany plunged unexpectedly in May. Construction PMI is also expected to pick up slightly, with Reuters forecasting a read of 50.9. So what are the opening calls telling us about expectations for European equity market performance today? Let's have a look at the numbers on the wall for you. Um, The FTSE implied open here, uh, down 27 points, the Zetra off 32. In fact, these don't look too terrible, do they, in terms of the context of the sell-off we saw overnight, but we'll see how they change as we get a little closer to the start of the session here. We'll be right back. A CNBC signature event. East Tech West, CNBC's exclusive invitation-only retreat returns to Mansha, Guangzhou, China in 2019. We explore all things tech from artificial intelligence to 5G. Join the world's most prolific investors, inventors, and entrepreneurs as they share their stories and celebrate innovation. Visit EastTechWest.com for an application to attend. Welcome back to Squawk Box. Well, it has, of course, been an incredibly rocky few days for markets across the globe. Let me take you through a few of the key assets and the price moves we've seen over the last 24 hours or so. This morning in oil markets, we are seeing a little bit of a recovery bounce come through. WTI trading just over 1% higher in the latest session. Brent up about the same. This follows some more losses yesterday for oil markets. We saw WTI lose about 1.7% yesterday. Brent lose over 3%. So a little bit of a bounce coming through, but this, of course, comes after a broader sell-off that we saw in the oil price kicked off on Thursday when markets really took their turn for the worse after President Trump's surprise move on tariffs. So just want to bear in mind that we are seeing a little bit of a bounce come through across various assets now this morning. Let's take a look at dollar crosses and see how the currency markets are, are looking. We are still, we're, we're seeing now the dollar strengthen slightly versus the yen. So again, a little bit of a recovery starting to come through, 0.7% higher. The yen has been a big beneficiary of this risk-off sentiment we've seen ripple through markets. Sterling also recovering uh, is recovering slightly versus the dollar, up uh, 0.19%. The euro is uh, basically flat versus the dollar in the latest session. Now let's take a look at the yuan. This, uh, of course, the the real driver of the moves that we saw yesterday in markets. And now this morning we're seeing some stabilization in the yuan. The question was, how much would would the depreciation persist uh, after yesterday? It broke through that key psychologically important seven per dollar level. Now we are seeing some stabilization. So on the onshore yuan, it's trading around 7.04 at the moment, and the offshore is trading around zero, uh, 7.079. So really uh, some steadying there in the yuan, and perhaps that's providing a little bit of a floor under various risk assets this morning and driving that bounce that we're seeing in, in many different markets. Now, hedge fund manager and founder of Heyman Capital Management, Kyle Bass, told C- NBC, he thinks China's currency would collapse 30 to 40% if the PBOC stopped supporting it. 
they prop their currency up. Everyone calling them a currency manipulator, they're trying to hold this whole thing together. If they were to, if they were to let it go and allow the, all the wealthy Chinese to get their money out and buy more houses in Vancouver and London in the U.S. and send more of their kids to school in the U.S., you would see their currency collapse. And it's why they keep such a tight lid on it. But in the end, they have to have dollars to support it. And they're running out of dollars. And so what they did is they just stopped supporting it. They didn't intentionally weaken it. They just stopped supporting it at a certain level. Kyle Bass there. Um, Jeremy Stretch is with us, head of G10 FX strategy at CIBC Capital Markets. Jeremy, how am I, am I going to make some money out of this? Is there, a, is there a route to profitability for me in FX trading around this uh, pickup in volatility? Or should I just be grateful if I manage to hold on to what I have? Well, you were talking a little bit earlier about the, the preservation of capital, which in a sense is, is, is kind of where certain investors are. We're going back to the, some of these, the sort of dynamics of uh, sort of 08, 09 in terms of uh, preservation. But I think in, in, in one context, uh, a rebound in volatility is something which many investors will be uh, lauding because, of course, that has been something which has been particularly concerning for investors over a period of time that we had seen this uh, gradual grinding lower of volatility, and that was creating uh, a sort of a lack of opportunity. So I think the, the rebound in volatility is to be welcomed in a certain respect, but it is all about uh, trying to understand the dynamics from a trade trajectory. And that's where it becomes very difficult because I was talking to one of my uh, short-term interest rate traders yesterday, and we were agreeing that all of the sort of the, the short-term correlations that you would normally assume in the marketplace have effectively broken down because of the dislocation in market. So I think that means you're going to have to be very nimble in terms of positioning in terms of getting in and out of the What do you like long? Uh, well, in the current well in the current environment, I think you have to still be thinking about those those currencies which have that stable uh, asset flow. So the, you know, those current account surplus nations, I think, still have some value here. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to CNBC.com or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Show weekdays on CNBC.